Our first reading for today comes to us from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah chapter 58. Uh, the first uh, verse, the first sentence or two of this is, uh, is the beginning of a conversation between God's people and God. The first sentence is people speaking and the rest is God speaking. And uh, the, the people are wondering why God hasn't recognized their holiness. And God points out that holiness isn't about uh, the, the doing the trappings of what they think they should be doing, but of what God has commanded them to do. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it not to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness? To undo the straps of the yoke? To let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and to not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For our epistle reading this morning, we hear from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church, chapter 2. St. Paul, as he writes to the Corinthians, he writes to a people who are immersed in this Greek culture of debate and philosophy and logic and and they're obsessed with this idea of wisdom, of gaining this wisdom and understanding everything. And uh, Paul is writing to them, letting them know that it's not about how you grasp it or your intelligence or your knowledge or your philosophy, but it's about what God has done for you and the faith that you trust in him. Paul writes, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages of our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, 
What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please rise as we hear from the gospel. Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. We started last week hearing from Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, and this is a continuation of that same sermon as Jesus tells his people that they are the salt and the light of the world, and also that he didn't come to get rid of the old ways, but to fulfill them. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, you let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, Whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace mercy and peace to each and every one of you through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You belong to Christ. He has made you his own. By his death, he has covered you with his blood. He has used that same blood to purchase you, to redeem you, to make you his beloved possession. He has made you his for all eternity, and 
The enemy from which he purchased you is sin, death, and the devil. That, my brothers and sisters and Christ, is exactly who you are, the beloved possession of Jesus Christ. That is your identity. Seize upon it. Make it a focal point upon which the rest of your life hinges. You may fill a lot of roles. For some of you, you are parents, and for others, you are children, and for a great many of you, you are both. You are teachers and you are students. You're employees and employers, and any other host of roles that you fill. But at the center of it, at the crux of it, at the turning of it, you are a child of God bought by the blood of Christ, forgiven, redeemed, and saved. Every single one of us has a self image, an understanding of who we are and where we fit into the big picture of our lives, how we fulfill certain aspects of our community or groups that we're a part of. Every person who's ever lived has had a self-perception of who they are. Now, some people, it's more realistic than others. Some, it's delusional. Some it's positive and some it's negative. But I would say probably all of ours are a mix of all of those things. And I would dare say that most, if not probably all of us, have had moments where that self-perception has been changed, challenged, or maybe even shattered by a word spoken by someone we thought we could trust. Or by an event that changed everything. A betrayal or a heartbreak. Hurtful or destructive comments made. And we begin to realize that our understanding of who we are, our understanding of ourselves is actually quite fragile. Because life is fragile. Sometimes all it takes is a harsh word to completely change the way you look at yourself or the world around you. But this, my brothers and sisters in Christ, is why we root our identity not in the incidental things of this world, but in Christ. Our identity that began for Callan this morning as she received the blessed baptism of Christ that begins for you at this same moment. Christ puts his finger upon you and marks you as his own. An identity that continues every time you hear God's word, every time you sing his praises, every time you say a prayer, every time you come into this place and receive communion, the body and blood of Christ this identity that we have in Christ is eternal. It's immovable. It's unchangeable. Unlike everything else in our world. 
In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he says this rather peculiar phrase or this peculiar metaphor that has always confounded me. He says you, and he's talking to his disciples, his followers, those people who are listening to him. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. And what's confounding about that sentence is if salt isn't salty, it's just a rock, right? It isn't salt anymore because it doesn't have that characteristic. So what Jesus says here is ultimately confusing because if salt isn't salty, it isn't salt. But that's also the point. Our identity in Christ is something that is permanent. It's something that can't be taken away from us. It is something that has been placed on us at the waters of baptism, has been continually uh, placed upon us throughout our hearing of his word, the receiving of his grace, the receiving of the Lord's Supper. It is continually made our own and we are reminded of it and we are the salt of the earth and so we should live just as salt is salty and we are Christians we should show Christ that we as God's people shouldn't just simply claim the name of Christ and keep it like an ID in our wallets that we can pull out and say, oh yeah, I'm a member of this church. Oh yeah, I, you know, I believe in this guy. But that it is something that is at the core of our being that without it we aren't who we are. Because salt without saltiness isn't salt. We without Christ are not who we are. That is Christians, God's people. And that gospel works like salt, doesn't it? That gospel that, 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 that preserves life in the same way that salt preserves food. That gospel that removes bitterness from our life the same way that salt removes bitterness from food. It works in and constantly is uplifting us and restoring us even in the midst of a world that is always letting us down. In, in the midst of ourselves who are letting ourselves down. We have an identity and a hope that is in Christ. And we are also, as Christ says, a light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We've been given a stability that can be found nowhere else. A stability of knowing that we belong to Christ and because of that hope, because of that joy, because of that peace, we should show it forth. In our words, in our actions, and of course in our thoughts. This world will pain us. This world will cause us great problems. This world will bring us to our knees at times. But not as people who have no hope. But as a people whose true future is secure. 
whose true identity is always on us. That we are God's people. We belong to Christ. He has made us his own. That he has covered us with his blood. That he has purchased and won us from sin, death, and the devil for all eternity. That, my brothers and sisters in Christ, is who you are. And that is your identity. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. I invite you to